I went to Eastland this week and um, I was looking for a wallet for my son because he's going on school camp and he has to take a wallet with him. And so the first shop I went into, I just asked, do you have any wallets? And they said, yes, we've got some billabong ones. Come over here. And I'm like, oh, I probably won't be able to afford them, but show me anyway. And went up and I was rather pleasantly surprised that I could afford a billabong wallet. I think sometimes when we have brands of things, we make certain assumptions about them. And my assumption of Billabong was that it was a really expensive brand, not necessarily worth it just for the name. This month, we've been thinking, as Troy just said, about brand Jesus. Who is this man? Does he fit our assumptions? I wonder whether over the last few weeks that you've found actually that your assumptions about him have been changed I wonder whether you've been pleasantly surprised, as I was in the shop. I wonder whether it's just been a really good reminder for you, thinking about who is this man. I think it's fantastic this morning that we can gather together as a mixed bunch of people to think about this topic. I know there are some of you out there who have been following Jesus for many, many years. I know there are some of you out there who have been following Jesus for not very long at all. And I imagine there are some of you out there who are just here, just thinking about Jesus. You haven't made up your mind yet what you think. And I think it's wonderful that we can come together and think about him further today. So Jesus, who is this man? Big, strong, burly men about 2,000 years ago asked this question. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And strong burly men and skinny ones and old ones and young ones and women of every variety and children and youth have continued to ask that question down through the centuries since. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? And this month we've been having a really wonderful look at this and some of the things that we've been thinking about. Thanks, Nick. We've learnt that Jesus speaks truth that he can cut through tradition, that he can expose lies, that he can transform hearts and minds, thanks, that he offers grace, undeserved wonders, whether we want them or not, and that he can somehow hold these together perfectly, even though sometimes they appear quite opposed, thanks. We've learnt that Jesus is available. He's not constrained by time pressures, rushing off. Sorry, I can't deal with that right now. I've got to do this, like many of us are. Thanks. Oh, not very clear to see. But he knows who he is. Jesus knew every moment of the day that he was the beloved son of God. He was unruffled by demands, unruffled by life. He was unruffled by public opinion of him. And just last week, we thought about the fact that Jesus loves, that he pours out his love upon us, that he lavishes us in love, that his love is so vast that we can never fully understand it, his love for us. And we've come to see that Jesus, in his abundance of all of these things, is actually quite outrageous. And we're going to continue to think about Jesus being outrageous for today. The dictionary actually tells us what outrageous means. When I was a young girl, 
outrageous only had one meaning, like wicked only had one meaning. But sometimes these words morph a bit, and now we have two meanings for outrageous. Outrageous used to just mean shockingly bad and excessive, that if something was outrageous, it would, um, we would react to it in anger and in shock. And many of the people in Jesus' day did react to Jesus like this. They were shocked by him. He broke rules. He provoked their leaders. He hung out with the unclean. They were shocked by him. But also the dictionary now talks about that you can have outrageous to mean very bold and unusual and rather shocking in a sort of kind of wonderfully dazzling kind of way. And there were people in Jesus' day who would have looked at Jesus and seen him as outrageous, incredibly, awesomely, beautifully, gently, boldly outrageous. I don't imagine there were very many old women sitting on benches in those days going, oh, have you met that Jesus? Isn't he a nice old man? I don't know, maybe there were one or two, but I don't think that would have been their reaction. We're going to look at a story um, of Jesus, and Chiquita has very kindly agreed to read that for us. So let's have a look at this story. Thanks, Chiquita. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you, need, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. She did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as, she has, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith is saved. You go in peace. Thank you very much, Chiquita. So at the end of this story, again, we have these men saying, Who is this man? He is outrageous that he would forgive sins. As we approach Easter, we think about stories of the cross. And it may be that we actually spend a moment thinking about the story of the thief on the cross next to Jesus. That Jesus, even when he hung there in agony and breathlessness, was able to turn to this man and have compassion on him. And say to him, your sins are forgiven, you will be with me today in paradise. And on Good Friday, we focus on the very moment when God's forgiveness of sins takes on epic proportions, when it goes higher and wider and longer and deeper than ever before, when his love is on offer to the whole world, 
when those that seek Jesus and seek him can freely receive his forgiveness. It is the moment when death is defeated. It is the moment when evil is defeated, when love wins. Again and again, Jesus offers forgiveness, like we saw in the movie before, forgiveness to those that come to him. And again and again now, Jesus offers forgiveness to those that come to him. A fresh start, a clean new beginning. If we come to Jesus, he doesn't offer us condemnation. He offers love. He believes in second chances. He believes in third chances. The woman at the feet of Jesus that Chiquita read to us, the most beautiful story, she is not offered condemnation by Jesus. She is offered acceptance and love and forgiveness. The only condemnation in the room, and there was some, came from the men around who said, does he not know who this woman is? She is a sinner, they say. She is a woman of ill repute. Of Ill repute. The actual one in that room that she had sinned against was God in flesh, Jesus. And yet, what does he offer her? He offers her love without even a hint of condemnation in his voice at all. When I was 13, I was away um, on a youth camp on the Isle of Wight off the south coast of England. And on this youth camp, I have no idea who the speaker was, but there was a speaker. And I remember him saying, do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves you? If you were the only person left on this planet, Jesus would have come to die for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you could know him. And I think for me, that was one of the first moments, the first of many moments, when I came to understand for myself a bit of Jesus' love, his radical, outrageous love for me. I think that was the moment that I remember actually choosing myself to follow Jesus. I wonder whether you can remember a moment in your life, for many of you, when you chose Jesus, only to then actually realise that he chooses you, that he chooses you. When Jesus forgives the woman that we heard about, he says to her, go in peace, go in peace. Her hunger for love, her shame of her profession, her hurt from the past is gone. Go in peace. What a gift Norma shared about that gift of peace that she received earlier on. What a beautiful gift. To the man on the cross, Jesus said, you will be with me today in paradise. What does he say to us? if we come to him and seek forgiveness from him. I've been learning over the last 30 plus years since that time that actually Jesus says to me when I come to him for forgiveness, he says, I love you. I forgive you. I want you to be the woman that I have made you to be. You don't have to stand in the darkness and muck of your failings and of this world. You can stand clean. It's okay, start again, start again. I love you, you are mine, you are my beloved. Walk on with me. Come on, let's go, I forgive you. 
And he tells me this again and again and again throughout my days. What does he tell you? I think he says the same. If you seek me, you will find me, he tells you. Yes, I will forgive you. Stand up. Be the man, the woman, the child, the young person that I have made you to be. I will help you be that person. It's okay. Get up again. Get up again. On we go again. I forgive you. I love you. You are mine. You are my beloved. And he doesn't just tell us this at Easter. And he doesn't just tell us this in March because we're thinking about brand Jesus. He tells this every single day through the moments of the days. And what is our response? Well, the woman that we heard about in the story falls to her knees. Do we fall to our knees in response when we see what he offers us? When we get a glimpse of who he really is? He doesn't demand this. He doesn't force us down on our knees. He would never do that to us. But I think if we truly understand who he is, all that he's done, all that he offers us, and that he is here, I think we would fall to our knees in awe and wonder. I think that's what we do. Those that didn't bow their knee before Jesus then didn't because of unbelief, didn't because they were maybe wrapped up in their world, didn't because of pride and judgment. Jesus welcomed and loved searching hearts, whether they'd found him yet or not. He loved them. It was hard hearts that he spoke against. He did speak out against hard hearts. He loved the heart of the immoral woman and the thief. Who'd have thought? Might we bow our knees before Jesus? It could be for a completely different reason than the woman we heard about. It might be because we are aware of his love and forgiveness for it. But it might be because we've seen him at work in amazing ways in our lives or somebody else's life. It may be because he's shown us a new truth that just amazes us. It may be that we've been healed of something, set free for something. We just love the beauty of the world around us. There are many reasons that we can fall to our knees before Jesus. I went around videoing this week a few people. Uh, who I know have recently fallen to their knees before Jesus. And I asked them to tell me very briefly why they fell to their knees, but also what it was about Jesus that made them do this. So have a look at what they said. I fall on my knees before Jesus because I'm absolutely blown away by his creation and I've, on my journey, become aware that he actually really want to communicate with me and love me and that also blows me away and I just, I have to fall on my knees because I want him in my life. I fall on my knees before Jesus because I know that I matter to him and my heart matters to him and he cares about me. I come from a bit of a messy history and family background and Jesus is the one who has loved me and called me by, me by name and so I come to him to receive and keep being reminded of my identity as a child of God and that I belong to him first and foremost. I come to him because he's my Lord and my Saviour. In January this year, um, my wife and I were in New Zealand where I unfortunately um, had a, a pretty severe bike accident which resulted in me shattering my collarbone and uh, it's been an interesting time getting better. But I will say that um, a group of uh, men came from NCR to pray for me and it was a remarkable time where I really felt um, a community 
um, experience of them praying and the power that was there really brought me to my knees in terms of God's power and his presence. I've had a very bad health scare in the last couple of weeks and during that time I felt Jesus at work in my life. He gave me um, peace at a time where I was in stress and I fell down on my knees before him because of that. For me something that um, uh, makes me sort of um, realise the power of Jesus and, and um, to, to be in awe of his power is um, when I hear stories about, um, about him answering prayers and for us recently we had some people who we, we hardly even knew um, praying for us and for the safe delivery of our, our latest um, baby and through a series of events um, it became really obvious to us that, that Jesus um, had his hand in that situation and that he was in control and so um, yeah the thing that makes me fall on my knees before Jesus is um, the fact that he, he does hear our prayers and that he answers them. I imagine that the woman's next response, having fallen on her knees and wept over his feet, her outrageous response, was to get up and to go, because Jesus said to her, go in peace. So I imagine that she went. We don't actually know very much about who she was. There's different theories. Some people think she was Mary Magdalene. Some people think she was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. We don't know. But I wonder what she went to do next. I wonder whether she rushed off and went to tell any family or friends or other people who were in the same profession about what she'd just done, what the encounter she'd just had with Jesus. I wonder whether she went off and actually decided she was going to forgive somebody or she was going to seek somebody's forgiveness. I don't know what she did, but I don't imagine that her heart response, the response of bowing the knee before Jesus, ended as she walked out that door. I don't think that at all. If we are people who have chosen to follow Jesus and at some point in our heart attitude we have bowed our knees before Jesus, then our response, like that woman, needs to continue. And incredibly, our response is to be outrageous. We are called to be outrageous, just like that weeping woman was. That may mean for us that we actually need to go and forgive somebody. It can be such a difficult thing. Being aware that if the wound is deep, it will take time and care and being, keeping ourselves safe. But we have to get rid of that bitter poison of unforgiveness if it is in our hearts. It may be that we need to go and actually seek forgiveness from somebody else. I think we need to keep checking ourselves regularly too that we don't become like the men who were sitting around watching Jesus encountering that woman who offer judgment and condemning attitudes. Until that is, we can do it, but when we're perfect, Jesus says. So we can't. And Bron beautifully unpacked this for us last week. We are called to be outrageous, to speak truth, to offer grace, to love, to love, to love. We are called to be available for people. We are called to know who we are. We are called to forgive. We are called to love, to love, to love. And how are we to do this? Well, the very best news is that we do it in community, that together we stand and are outrageous. 
I asked the people I videoed before what their response has been since those moments of bowing their hearts before Jesus, and this is what they said. My response to this is now that I realise that it's real, I'm reading my Bible lots, obsessively just I want to know stuff, and praying lots, and asking God what he wants me to do with my life, and telling the people that I'm in relationship with about Knowing that my heart matters to Jesus, I spend a lot of time praying, asking that others would also know the revelation of God's love that he's shown to me. And I also spend a lot of time praying, asking God to show me how to be his hands and feet to others, that I may love them in that way as well. I've always loved being involved um, with community and working together with folks. And I will say that having these gentlemen come and pray for me certainly heightened the fact that Jesus is really passionate about addressing people's needs. And um, I feel as though that from this day that they they prayed for me, from that moment on, I feel as though it's really given me a, a greater desire to be involved with community and to support people um, in their needs. Now it made me stop and think how precious life is, how vulnerable I am, and how important it is for me to have Jesus at the centre of my life. I don't want to do life without him. Um, so my response to this, um, this, this sort of knowledge of, of Jesus um, caring and, and answering prayer has been to um, pray a lot more for my students at school. I'm a school teacher. Um, and I've intentionally been praying for them and also for um, yeah, people who I just think about during the day um, instead of perhaps just you know, moving on I stop and take a moment to, to pray for people and it's um, really encouraging in my faith that um, you know, prayer is um, you know, God wants us to pray, he answers prayer and, and, um, and Jesus is faithful to our prayer so um, yeah, I've been doing all of that So very different responses from these people for many of them to pray to read their Bible more, to tell people who don't know Jesus about him, to be aware of um, God prompting them in their life, to care for people's needs, all these different responses from um, from that time. Responses that may involve risk too, so that they can be outrageous as God showers his outrageous love upon them. And it's all very much mixed in with the ordinary and the mundane of life as they do this. Jared Hayne, I don't know whether you've heard his name over this last week, I hadn't, but my husband told me about him. He was a rugby league football, rugby league player. And he was supposedly really good, is supposedly very good at it, although he doesn't play anymore. But last year in rugby league, he won the equivalent of the Brownlow medal. So he was fantastic. So at the height of his um, skills, at the height of his athleticism, at the height of his powers, probably at the height of his pay as well. And he decided, actually, that he was going to quit and that he was going to try something different for a change, to take a risk. And he decided to go to America and try and become an American football player instead. Well, he actually did manage to get a contract. And this week, he plays for the San Francisco 49ers. And his coach spoke about him this week. Um, Thanks. That's him, if you don't know him. And this is what his coach said. He said he was the best at what he was doing. And he walked away from that to start something new and to start at the bottom. 
There's a lot of courage involved right there. He's playing a position that's not anything like, not like anything else he's done. Everything is completely brand new. That's a hard transition. When you get a guy playing rugby and his skill set is as running back, that's where we'll start him. I'm not going to tell you that's where he'll end. You've got a guy who's used to being downfield, catching a ball with people running at him, then that's where we'll use him. They like him. They like who he is and what he can do. Sure, they will change him a bit. They'll tweak bits about him. They will train him hard. No doubt the six-packs on the men in his team were quite incredible. They will work him hard. (laughs) He was hiding in the background. Maybe rugby players don't have six-packs like American football players. I don't know. They will work him hard. They will tweak him. They will change him a bit. But they like who he is and what he brings to their team. Thanks. Jesus wants us to be the person that we are. We may need a bit of tweaking, a bit of changing, but he wants us to be who we are. He doesn't want us to be someone else. And he doesn't want us to be like someone else. Maybe when we were growing up, we had people saying to us, oh, I wish you were more like your brother. Why can't you be like your sister, like your neighbor, like your friend? Jesus never says that about us. The woman that was weeping at his feet, he loved her. Yes, she would have to go and change some habits. Yes, she would have to go and change a bit of lifestyle but he wanted her to be her and he loved her passionately Jesus wants us to be us if we are a dancer that our response when we get off our knees will be to dance if we are an encourager that when we get off our knees we will encourage that if we are a truth teller that when we get off our knees we will tell truth That if we are a server, or an artist, or a cook, if we are a prophet, if we are a teacher, a carer, somebody who looks for people in need and helps, that that is what we will do in response to Jesus, but that we will have Jesus' love running through our veins and out from our hearts to other people. And we as a community, mixed in with the mundane and the ordinariness of everyday life, will be outrageous, incredibly, awesomely, beautifully, gently, boldly outrageous, just like Jesus is. Who is this man? He is Jesus. We're going to pray to finish now. So you're welcome to pray with me or you can just sit and listen in. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Help us to see that more that we may stand in awe of you. Thank you that you know our hearts, you know our needs. God, you see the need in our heart right now. And we ask that you will respond to that from your abundance, from your outrageous love and compassion and truth and forgiveness and all that we need you have. God, we thank you 
for your outrageous love for us. Amen.